Hey, this is Zach Rogers, editor of Architecture, and you're about to hear the full-length version of our recent interview with Dr. Mark Grether, the VP and general manager of Uber's advertising business. If you like what you hear, you can get the full-length versions of all of our 95-plus interviews at marketecture.tv. We hope you'll consider subscribing. Thanks very much, and enjoy this interview with Dr. Mark Grether. Welcome to Marketecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of leading technology executives. I'm Ari Paparo. I'm joined today by Dr. Mark Grether from Uber Advertising. Doctor, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ari. Good to see you. Yes, it's good seeing you as well. Probably the last time I saw you was at Mexico many years ago. That's when you were still a seismic. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. So this is pretty exciting. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this conversation because I want to hear about Uber advertising. So yeah, why don't you just start out by telling us, everyone knows who Uber is. Everyone knows that it's investing in advertising. What's the big picture here? Yeah, happy to share a little more about Uber advertising. So if you do think about Uber advertising, we on the one hand have advertising opportunity on the Uber Eats app itself. So think about a restaurant owner where there's now a big chain like a McDonald's or even the small pizza place around the corner. They would like to go get more restaurant orders from the platform. They want to get more menu views. They want to get more orders. And so what they can do is they can participate in our sponsored listings program, a CPC-based program, and that enables them to get those extra menu views, extra um, orders, and they can then create and see relatively good high ROAS on our platform. So we have full loop attribution model for our advertisers, and we've rolled out that program actually now in 31 markets globally, and with more than 200,000 advertisers on the platform as we speak. So quite successful. But it's only starting point for what we're doing in Uber advertising. What we also have now started to do is to offer our advertisers more mid to upper funnel advertising products at Uber Eats. So the idea is how can I promote a new menu item on my restaurant? How can I promote a new location, right? Or how can I even, if I'm a dark kitchen, promote my restaurant itself on the Uber platform? And therefore I may wanna go above and beyond just as a CPC spot listings program. And we can offer that. The second thing on the delivery side, which I'm really excited about is, is as we are going into not only delivering food, but basically anything that you can get on the platform, including groceries, including alcohol, right? We are opening up now our Uber advertising program also for many new advertisers, mainly CBG advertisers, right? And they then want to basically advertise their own CBG products so that we as consumers buy them uh, on the Uber uh, platform as well. And it's also really, really amazing because it's a huge opportunity for us to go above and beyond our merchants on the platform when it comes to advertising. But even that is only half of what we're doing. There's a, another big business, which is on the mobility side, right? And, and that's where I'm also really, really passionate about. So think about the situation, Ari, that you are in New York, you're taking an Uber maybe to the airport, right? And the opportunity here is that you're typically... Uh, in an Uber for about 20 minutes. So with 20 minutes of your attention. 20 minutes to the New York airport? I'm not sure about that. Maybe maybe it's uh, LaGuardia, right? And then maybe 20 okay. minutes is, is, is okay. JFK might be more of one hour 15, which means we have even more of your time, right? More ads, even more ads. Uh, yeah. More ads, right? And, and so the idea is that we know where you are, 
we know where you're going to, right? And we can use that to then target relevant ads to you. And you see the ads when you're ordering the, the Uber, when you're getting into the Uber, and when you're in the Uber itself on your way to destination. And it's super exciting, and you see the ads on your mobile app. That's what we also have rolled out globally, and it's really, 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 really an exciting opportunity for us. It's for us a new way of enabling advertisers to do one-to-one -one marketing, but not on the web, but in the real world, right? right Imagine right. you might be on the way to, let's say, a Macy's or Walmart, right? And then Procter & Gamble can advertise while you're on the way to, to Walmart. Super, super exciting. Or you might be in the Hamptons, right? You might be on the way to a US Open, Super exciting opportunities. We expand that into in-car tablets. And the idea here is to really use the opportunity that you are 20 minutes in a car, right, to really provide rich entertainment-like advertisement. It's then all about video, it's about connected TV, but it's also about that the car becomes your next living room. In the US, we spend about eight hours um, a week in the car Today, we are sitting behind uh, a wheel drive the car results, but in the future, with Uber and with the self-driving cars, we don't do that, and therefore we have now eight hours time where we consume content. And with our in-car tablets, we are basically stepping our feet into that new, really, really exciting idea of the car becomes a new living room, a new kind of entertainment center, and therefore also a new way of how you consume appetite. Super exciting. Right. And you and also have on top, on top, I'm sorry to drop exactly, on top of the exactly, car. Right? Exactly. The last one is exactly <laughs> is on, on top of cars in seven cities, including here in New York, we have screens on top of cars. And in this situation here, it's really about driving brand awareness, for example, for retail stores, driving food traffic into the stores. But it's also a great opportunity for our drivers to actually earn incremental income because there is a revenue share model in place with our drivers. So it's also an opportunity for them to, to make more money from advertising. Awesome. That's a great overview. Um, and it kind of lays out the roadmap for the rest of this conversation. So we have Uber Eats, Uber driving, in-car in driving, the tablets and the, and the top of the cars as mm -hmm. kind of the four big categories. Before I dive in, do you consider yourself part of the retail media trend or is this something different? Actually, when you think about Uber Eats, right, it's definitely retail media, right? That's right. exactly what we have, right? We have first-party data with closed-loop attribution, and we can provide that in a very compelling way to our advertisers. Uh, it's a CPC model. We can show increment growth. I would definitely say yes. However, I would say that we are not stopping there with retail media. I'm also now using more and more a new term, which is mobility media. And the idea is right in the future, we will see more and more ads when we are in vehicles such as Ubers and others. And I think it will become a whole new category in and itself. So for us, it's retail media, what we do on Uber Eats, but it's also mobility media, what we're doing on the, the mobility side. Okay, mobility media. We'll try to coin that term, see if it catches on. <laughs> so so let's, let's, let's do one at a time. Let's do Uber Eats first. Um, yeah. So Uber Eats sounds like the majority of it is a sort of classic kind of bidded inventory where, where restaurants bidding for placements that Correct. are very ROI centric. So the user clicks and, and buys something and the better the ad, the better it performs, right? 
Is that, exactly. You're shaking your head. That, that's basically the model here. AdWords for restaurants. It is exactly. It's very simple, right? Easy to understand for an advertiser, right? And so you have your ad, you put a price point to it, right? And depending on your click-through rate to conversions, you uh, will be ranked higher in the feed. And therefore, you'll get more and more traction on our platform. Exactly correct. Very simple. And then you can measure ROAS, and then you can define how much more money you want to spend depending on the ROAS that you have achieved. Exactly. And are you tar- what sort of targeting are people generally using? Uh, Geo, obviously, right? The first one is exactly is Geo, right? Yeah. Uh, that, is, that is the big one. Um, the second one is what also advertisers are really interested in is in Uber One members. Right? So we have a strong okay. membership program, and the idea is if you do attract members who are much more loyal to the platform, you will actually generate a much longer lifetime value of any new either that you've acquired through the advertising program. Okay, yeah? so that's sort of like uh, they're, they're choosing the best Uber consumers effectively. In a way, right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. But you could also do conquesting, right? You can, you can also go for a category, right? You may be in the burger category, right? And you can do it in conquesting mm-hmm. in that category as well. So there are many, many ideas of what you can do from an advertiser perspective. But to your point, at the end of the day, it's really all about performance. Right. And, and what sort of options do they have creatively? So right now, we do only have display ads. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a performance product, so it's display only. Mm-hmm. And then they bring their own display um, to, to the platform, and then we run the display campaigns on their behalf. Okay, so this is an image, not it, it doesn't look like the other list. If I search for, I'm trying to imagine this, I search for burgers, I see a list of yeah. all the burger places in my area, and then there's going to be like a banner ad above it for whoever's advertising. Yeah, it looks very similar to the feed, uh, the organic feed itself, okay, right? Right. And then it's, and it's it's up to the restaurant whether they have exactly the same image or whether they want to like to use a different a different image, right? Sometimes they also want to combine with an offer, right? Okay, and then yeah. maybe the messaging might be slightly different. And how's the advertiser mix varying between like big national chains versus local mom and pops? Yeah, great question. So as I mentioned, we have more than two hundred thousand, right? mom and pop shops on the platform. Mm-hmm. So I would say it depends a little bit on the country, yeah, mm. the mix. Sometimes it is 50-50, sometimes it is 60-40. It depends a little bit on the country. It also depends a little bit on whether you are in more rural areas or more densely populated areas. So those are the factors that influence a little bit the mix. But give and take, I would say it's a 60-40, 60 the big brands, 40 more what you would call SMBs. Can, could I log in today and run an ad? Is it is the self-service capability yeah. powerful enough? Yeah, yeah. That's what all of our SMBs basically do, right? They log into the platform and then they set up the campaigns themselves. Our enterprise accounts, they could do the same, but they <laughs> run and rely on managed service, so we're doing it on their behalf. Of course, right. But uh, and what would be the minimum entry point if I was a if I was a mom and pop restaurant? You can start with fifty bucks a, a week, and here you go. Well, that's great. And and in terms of ROI and results, I'm primarily going to be relying on your reporting that's going to say, you spent this much money and we generated this many orders in the app. It's like a full closed loop here. It, exactly the case. But keep in mind that you in your restaurant see the orders coming, right? Right. Which yeah. means you in the physical store, you see how many couriers come and pick up the food, right? So you can then double check that you're not kind of 
counting numbers in, in the wrong way, right? I was sort of contrasting it to say like Google Maps advertising for a long time has had a struggle with this because they try to get people to make a phone call so that you could track it when the very common consumer behavior is to find a location on Google Maps and then pick up your cell phone and call it and they don't know. You know, they don't know the source of it. So you you actually have the advantage of a full closed loop because presumably exactly. they're ordering on the app. Exactly. They're exactly. Ordering on the app, right? In theory, someone might create appetite on the app and then they may go to a different app or they go to the restaurant itself, right? So you could argue our number is a little bit underrepresenting that impact, right? right? But all in all, I would say it's a pretty accurate way of measuring ROAS. And is there any user-level targeting or behavioral targeting allowed? Yes, we do. We do have behavioral targeting. So again, we have one database across mobility and delivery, mm-hmm. which means on the on the each side, we can make full usage of that kind of targeting capabilities, which typically our advertisers do not make use of, mm-hmm. yeah, because they just say, hey, just optimize for uh, ROAS performance cases. I don't care whether... It's a male or female who orders the pizza, right? right I just right. care that I get as many as many orders as possible. So they have the levers, but they typically don't use it. More sophisticated ones, again, they look into things like Uber One as an mm-hmm. expression for more, more lifetime value. Some of them may go into conquesting. Again, there are different options, but typically they are basically having hands off, just let the system right. kind of optimize on their behalf. In theory, you could say, you know, anyone who's been at a bar late at night, I want to show ads for Taco Bell or something like that. But you you're could, saying probably yeah. people don't do that. Yeah, you could you could do that. If you if you want to do that, you could definitely run such a strategy. That's that's doable. Right. Have and it's interesting it. because your system is a closed system, so the privacy concerns are much less. Like the, there's very little chance of data leakage, for example, that someone would Correct would be able to extract data about some user's behavior based on ads. It might exactly. theoretically be possible. Yeah, but you're, you're right. We are closed loop from that perspective, right? And, and therefore, there's no kind of cross-app tracking or things like that. Right. Uh, or data leakage. That is um, a concern. So um, so you mentioned earlier the mid-funnel CPG use case for in Uber Eats. Let's talk about that. So this is like Doritos showing ads to people who, who might be interested in getting a grocery delivery or something along those lines. Yeah. So we have for, for CBG avatars, there's basically two main use cases. The first one is you might order a burger, right? And then Pepsi wants to convince you to also get a Pepsi on, in addition to the burger. That is use case number one. Right. Use case number two is you do your grocery shopping on the Uber Eats platform, and you may need something in 30 minutes, you may need something in two, three hours, right? And as you're doing your grocery shopping, right, again, Pepsi would like to convince you to also order um, Pepsi through through the app, right? And then you have really kind of a grocery kind of tuned, tuned uh, kind of um, use case. Right. And so that sounds like a kind of a hard problem because you kind of need to know that that product's available from that retailer. Like, I don't think Pepsi is available in Whole Foods. You know, that it gets kind of complicated, right? You want to take yeah. us through that a little bit? Yeah. So there are indeed a couple of challenges, right? And it's, it's all about two main things. One is the catalog itself, which means a Pepsi in store one is not a Pepsi in store two they might have different kind of IDs, right? So you wanna, okay. we really want to make sure that you have a catalog that is representative of all the different variations of Pepsis and all the different retailers, uh, what they have. So that's problem number one that you need to solve. And then problem number two, to your point, is the availability, right, of the SQ in the store. 
right? Those are the two kind of uh, things that you need to you need to tackle from a technical perspective. The bigger question, are, however, for me is is more uh, a consumer perspective, mm-hmm. which is what is your initial way of how you're going after grocery shopping? And there are two ways of how you can think about it. The first one is I am picking my merchant first, and then I am selecting a product that I would like to get from that merchant. And then someone is going to the merchant, pick up those products and brings it home. Right. The second alternative option is that I'm thinking first about what are the products that I need. Cornflakes, Pepsi, shampoo, right? And mm-hmm. then try to select that. And then in the second step, then the system needs to then select the merchant from whom these products should be picked up. Right. Yeah. So what's the entry point? Is it merchant-led or is it actually item-led? Right. And that, I think, is a fascinating opportunity and challenge at the same time. Yeah, you know, I, I've been a customer on occasion of Drizzly, not that I drink too much or anything. But the, <laughs> the, uh, it is interesting that they're, the way it works is it's product-led. So you say, Correct. I want a bottle of wine, Correct. and then they give you a list of retailers in your area that carry that exactly. bottle of wine. Exactly. Um, whereas Whole Foods is the opposite. So, okay, so exactly. we've been talking very theoretically, but how do the advertisers deal with this complexity? What, what are they buying? Yeah, so, so the advertisers, right, they are buying also kind of space in the feed. Procter uh, Pepsi, they want to rank the highest in the feed if someone goes after soda drinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so similar like to the restaurant, it's really about how can you in the feed get the highest visibility, the highest spot in the feed, so that you maximize the likelihood that they will pick your product. Right. So what do they target? They target contextually, someone shopping for beverages? or uh, Exactly. They, they shop contextually, right? Mm-hmm. In some cases, also you try to curate, right, almost baskets that just make sense, and then you basically right. do that. Again, they have targeting opportunities. Maybe someone who, to your point earlier, who went to a bar, Maybe we should show him Pepsi or whatever on the grocery app. Someone who's offering ordering uh, burgers might be more likely, right? or someone who's going to an NFL game is more into into drinking, and so that's 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 an option. Yeah. Uh, so I get that. So I'm just still having a little bit of a hard time picturing like what Pepsi mm-hmm. is bidding on. Like how does Pepsi set the rules? Like they're willing to pay a certain amount per click or per order. And they want certain types of of shopping lists. Yeah. Just kind of yeah. walk me through campaign setup. They they typically set a, a specific CPC, right? Right. That they are willing to to pay. That they're willing to bid, right? And then again, it is either that they are not restricting the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Which just means if you are actually in the in a grocery app, then they would like to get the, the maximizing basically reach awareness for the fact that you can actually order Pepsi on the platform. Or they might run a campaign specifically either contextually or audience type. On the audience type, it could be something like, hey, people who quite often go to bars, who often go to football stadiums, and contextually, contextually it could be time of the day, things like that, or dependent on what else you already have put into your grocery basket. Right. That makes sense. Okay. I'm getting it now. And in terms of their results, it's, is it also closed loop that they're seeing Correct. the orders actually take yes. place? 
Exactly. Right. Exactly. Who's paying in a, in a CPG example? Is there like this question of whether it should be a trade budget or an advertising budget, and uh, whether there should be some shared cost between the retailer and the and the brand? Yeah, indeed, this is a big topic, right? So, so typically, with the starting point, it is actually trade budgets. That's okay. where we start, right? And again, the more you are in the lower funnel area, the more it is actually trade budgets. Okay. Which also means, to my, my earlier point, if you really want to go after the branding budgets, right, you need to offer incremental products, mm -hmm. CPM-based products that enable an advertiser just to create awareness, to create reach, as a reason to, to tap into the branding budgets. Otherwise, you would stuck to the trade budgets, and at some point, you will have reached your, your ceiling. Right. So, are you offering those type of medium, mid to high funnel products through? We like have started. And we, it's like very that. early days for us, right? It's very early days where we started to to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, billboards. We have kind of feed takeover. So we're starting to kind of expand our portfolio of advertising formats. Got it. Okay. Let's transition to talk about the in-ride opportunity. So um, it sort of makes sense. I'm in an Uber for a half hour or whatever, yeah. and you're showing ads. Do consumers keep the app open? Do they look at the app while they're in the car? Because that seems great like question. a limiting factor, right? Yeah, great question. So average ride, as I mentioned, is 20 minutes. And within the 20 minutes, the app is actually open for um, about two to three minutes. And the way how we're selling it is that the advertiser has exclusivity on the trip, which means okay, it's only one single advertiser that right. has a two to three minutes of your attention. Mm -hmm. and, and then, and he, what sort of ad can, unit? Yeah, Sorry, ad unit. Well, it's, a, it's yeah. a visual ad unit, right? It is. So we, the right now, it's a display ad unit, and we are rolling out in Q2 also video ad formats, but for now, right. it is display only. Got it. And and is this a branding or a direct response unit? It is. It is mainly branding, right? So entertainment okay. customers are big clients of ours. We have some finance. We have telcos. So we have a lot of kind of customers, avatars who are more in the in the branding space. Right. So probably the Uber audience skews a little younger, a little more affluent. So it's an attractive exactly. audience. Just just with no targeting, it's probably a pretty attractive audience. Exactly, exactly. It's a young audience, uh, as you mentioned, right? Highly educated, above average income. And it's hard to, right, to get hold of them anymore. And, and we have, again, a good, good amount of them. And we have, uh, yeah, two, three minutes of undirected attention. So what sort of targeting is generally used here? Uh, I mean, obviously, the geo seems very relevant. But if it's branding, it's probably a lot less geo than you'd expect. Well, actually, almost all campaigns right now are actually geo-targeted. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what attracts advertisers. That's unique. That's differentiated. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so almost all of the campaigns that we run right now are in some form or shape destination targeting. Right. Someone is on the way to airport. Someone is on the way to retail stores. Someone is in the Hamptons, whatever it may be. Okay. So what what would I see if I was, I mean, I guess I could just open my app, but what, what sort of ads am I going to see if I'm going to the airport? You might see, uh, let's say, a Marriott app, uh, Norwegian Cruise Line ad, right? So, so again, a lot of kind of travel travel companies that they may want to do it. You might also see Amex or Mastercard or Visa, right, uh, on right. the way to the airport. But it's branding. You're not you're not advertising like the Sparrows that's in JFK Terminal Three. Yeah, what we could do is right. We could, and we have actually one of few a few use cases where we can say, hey, you can actually order. Let's say a burger that you pick up before you actually go to the plane, 
You right. could do that. We could. You could do that. If, yeah. We could do that. And if we've seen a few use cases where we have a time for more interest in, in doing that. But I think it's a relatively small, I would say, um, use case. Yeah, exactly. Um, it doesn't scale very well. Um, yeah. So what? Uh, so what other things are people looking for out of these ads besides geo? In terms of targeting. Um, so a lot is also time of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Makes um, so uh, in the evenings, right, people like go out to have fun. They go to bars. They go to restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. That's a great opportunity to do. That's another one, right? Then more and more what we see is crossing between mobility and eats. And what I mean by that is that you start to create awareness on the mobility side, and then you move them to the Uber Eats app where the transaction actually happens. Yeah. Right. And so we are seeing more and more full funnel campaigns. Mm. Yeah. Again, awareness is done on the mobility side, and then the performance piece is then followed up on the Eats side. Right. Sounds like a good use case for like QSR, um, you know, like Chipotle or something shows you a brand exactly. and ad, you click on it, you buy it, they, exactly. you get a burrito. Exactly. And what for non, for, for ads that are not closed loop, what sort of performance metrics are people asking for? Yeah. So right now we have the impressions clicks that mm-hmm. we measure, right? And we are right, right. now working with third party measurement providers mm-hmm. that we are currently in the process of integrating so that the advertisers have more, yeah, more opportunities in terms of measurement. Is that, uh, are you talking about like verification vendors, like double yes, verify, exactly. IAS mode? Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. Those are the ones that we're working on actively as we speak and hopefully have them integrated relatively quickly. What you can then do further down the road is, right, you can also in the, in the creative itself have a QR code, right? Sure. And then you might go to a Walmart, right, show the QR code and then get, let's say, five, five dollars off uh, of your Procter Gamble Procket you you bought and that you saw um, on the way to Walmart in the car. Right, right. I, I, I think it, despite all of your amazing data, you're you're not immune to the problem of how to measure brand ads on mobile devices. Uh, it's a it's an unsolved problem, yeah. right? <laughs> so you have yeah. you have that problem. <laughs> yeah. And any thoughts on making any of that inventory available programmatically? Yes, that is uh, one of the big um, topics that we're also working on. We definitely will start with P. PGs, PMPs, right? So it's not mm-hmm. open market availability, but we do work with your partners to make that available via the PG, PMP route. Oh, it is currently or it will be in the future? No, it is not yet available, Okay, but we're right. working on partners to make it available. Okay. And is it now Q2, Q3? Well, we, I don't know the, the development token line, but it's, uh, right. it's not that far out. Got it. Okay. And are these display units available on a self-serve basis as well, or is it all big advertiser? Today, it's only managed service. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So, okay, let's transition to tablets. So I don't know what this is. I've never seen a tablet in yep. a Uber. And uh, my understanding is that historically, there was some sort of back and forth where the drivers wanted to control the in-car experience. So tell me about the tablet opportunity. The tablet opportunity is something at which we have launched in SF. LA and in India, actually. And, and so the idea is that back of the seat, right, you have a, a tablet and we know who is in the car. So again, the content on the tablet is personalized to Ari. Right. It starts with quick greeting. It starts with a little bit about the driver that drives you today, right? It shows then alteration between uh, mats as well as where you are. And then at the end, you can then tip on the tablet oh, um, nice. if you if you if you um, enjoyed the ride, right? 
right? And so today it is that combination of kind of infotainment and ads, but in the future we will also include more entertainment and ads right. Right? In, in the right. So in the future you could imagine that you are following up a series that you watched on your Netflix account or Prime Video account, right? And you follow it up while you are on the way to the airport and before and after you might see CNF. So again, there's a lot of kind of flexibility in, the, in terms of what we can do with tablet. It's, it's early days, right? And it's a little right. chicken in the neck problem, which means at the beginning, you don't have enough tablets out there so that it actually matters for the advertisers. But without right. advertising budgets, right? You don't want to pre-invest into, into the tablets. And so you need to overcome the chicken neck problem in the beginning before you can actually scale it quickly. Well, the tablets solve your two minutes per ride problem, right? So you exactly. have the, the ride is 20 minutes long. The app's only open two. There's another 18 yes. minutes of ads to show people. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> is, are the tablets uh, audio on by default or audio, audio off by default? Yeah, they are audio on by, on default. by default. So it's like yeah. uh, New York's had uh, taxi TV for like a decade or so. It drives people crazy. Yeah, but again, the big the big difference is that we know who is in the car, right? Right. And that is and a big difference. So you could actually show very, content they're interested in as well. Yeah. And it's also from a positioning perspective different because I want to make sure that it's not positioned as out of home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. For me, it's much more a CTV situation. Sure. Yeah? Where we have really 20 minutes uninterrupted attention situation where we really want to show video ads in the future for the 20 minutes of the average ride. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. You, you definitely don't want to be pigeonholed as out of home because it always is not the sexiest area of advertising. Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, are you, for the tablet product, are you revenue sharing with the drivers? Yes. All right. So, uh, and how's their uh, reaction and feedback been so far? Early days, right? Um, mm -hmm. In two cities, but so far, a really good traction. We have more and more drivers who are signing up. Yeah. Okay. Great. Do they have to pay for the tablet or you just give no. them the tablet? Right. We, okay. we give them the tablet, right? Um, obviously, we want to make sure that they configure them correctly and that they sure. have them on, right? And they drive with the car, but again, they're incentivized because there's a revenue share model in place. Right. And as I was referring to earlier, there are some sort of independent in Uber companies that try to have relationships with drivers. Um, so that's a little bit of a point of friction historically. Yeah. But again, the big difference is that we do know who is in the car. Yeah. And we do difference. know the destination of the ride. Right. Yeah. Which is why we can do very, very sophisticated targeting, which typically mm -hmm. others can't do. All right. Let's talk about the last of the four pillars, which is uh, car top. Yeah. Um, is that what you call it, car top? That's uh, how we're calling it, yeah. Right, so the ads on top of the cars. So this exactly. is this is a regional, this is digital out of home. Um, and that is, is indeed out of home, yeah. And it's regional because you need a license Correct. to do it, right? Yeah. So tell me what the status is of this business now. Yeah, so the status is that we have it up and running, right, in, in seven cities here in the U.S. And we're using it for a couple of um, kind of purposes, if you like. The first one is, it is really about driving awareness for retail stores. Yeah. So right. you might have seen the big Louis Vuitton campaign we had here in New York in December, right? Mm -hmm. Which really kind of helped to drive awareness of the pop-up store that Louis Vuitton had been running. So that's, that's the, the primary use case. We also have much more kind of smaller kind of advertisers on the platform, right? Sure. It's for them a, a really easy way, right, to get some, some traction, some awareness. 
And um, the good news is if we do not have it sold out fully, and I fully admit we have not reached capacity yet, right? We right. can then also use it as a vehicle to run promotion for Uber itself, mm -hmm. right? Uber Eats, uh, Uber One, right? And and so in that sense, we have kind of here a benefit to, to Uber itself by utilizing the screens that we have, even in a case where it's not yet fully kind of sold out. So you mentioned New York, which is fascinating because you're not allowed to put an ad on top of an Uber in New York. You're, you're running ads on top of that, yellow cabs. That's that's exactly, that's a different setup compared to all the other markets, right? Yeah. Where where we have it on actually on Uber cars, right? right? But at the end of the day, it's also a question about scale, right? And at some point in time, you, you just need to have scale to win in this game. And, and therefore, um, New York gives us uh, scale. Yeah, New York, just as a side note, did a sort of an RFP and has three or four different companies competing for the ad slots. So what? Oh, tell me about the targeting and the measurement for the car top. Yeah, so 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 targeting, also the same as we discussed earlier, it's it's really about Chio, right? Mm -hmm. The difference is when it comes to, uh, to car tops, we cannot do one-to-one -one targeting for obvious right. reasons. So Chio is the one what we can do, and time of the day is the second main targeting option that we can provide to our advertisers. And in terms of measurement, we are partnering with third parties, right? And then they do typically brand lift studies mm -hmm. on behalf of our advertisers. Sometimes they also then measure food traffic, right? As a consequence of, of running car types campaigns. So those are the two types of measurement KPIs that we typically provide in conjunction with third party. Right, yeah, the digital out-of-home challenges exist for everybody that it's hard to measure, hard to get precise. Exactly. Um, so so I, I guess I don't think you disclose any numbers about it, but if you think about these four businesses, you know, which are, is, do you want to give us any sense of which are the big ones, which are the growing ones, where's the emphasis moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we, we have been public um, with two numbers. The first one is that we want to get to a billion by 2024 okay. in advertising revenues, and we are already at a run rate of 500 million. Great. Uh, so we are on a good path to get to our billion, right? And as you can imagine, right, all of the surfaces we just discussed, they are growing rapidly. Right. Yeah. Obviously, spawner listing is where we have the biggest base. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yet all of the four surfaces are growing uh, really, really nicely month over month. Right. Makes sense. So and I think it, happy. Um, we didn't really talk about your sales force. I assume you have a team that's out there hitting the streets, talking to agencies, exactly. talking to advertisers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind yeah. of a, you know, maybe I'm editorializing here, but it's kind of a cool sale because they have a little bit of everything. They have direct response, they have yeah. branding, they have yeah. digital out of home. They can measure yeah. in four different ways. Yeah. It's kind of a fun it is, job. It is, it is a really cool sales pitch, right? It's a new, unique sales pitch. It's a sales pitch that is easy to get time on anyone's calendar, right? And so we have been actually quite happy and quite lucky to easily attract really, really good sales talent, not only here in the US, but we've also launched now a sales team in the UK and in France, right. Brazil, Mexico, Australia, even Japan and Taiwan, right? Mm. So we are really rapidly building out our dedicated sales force. That's exciting. And then in terms of, you know, moving forward roadmap, um, is there anything you want to talk about in terms of, you know, the next year or two and where the focus is going to be? Yeah, I mean, from, from my perspective, a big focus for us is the rollout of video and programmatic on the mobility side, right? That's the, the two main things right, that I'm right. really excited about. 
And then on the delivery side, I'm really, really bullish about our um, CPG offerings on the grocery side, right? Mm -hmm. That is really, really exciting for us. And that's where we put a lot of effort and energy into, into it. And then and on the Uber Eats side, I think, again, for us, an untapped opportunity is still the branding area. Performance is what I think we have done. We have a good handle on it. But now also getting after the branding budget from our advertisers is really, really kind of the next kind of growth area. And we've seen in other markets that up to 40% of budgets, even on the each side, can come from branding. Yeah, and that goes hand in hand with programmatic. That's the bigger programmatic measurement, CPC, and exactly. Like yeah, wide exactly. formats. So yeah, so our product engineering team, as you can imagine, is quite busy in building more and more features. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Um, all right, let's do a lightning round. I'll ask you some pretty quick questions. You ask, give me some pretty quick answers. What's your one competitive advantage versus other solutions? It's the targeting and the closed loop yeah. um, attribution. Why won't walled gardens like Google, Facebook, Amazon eventually crush you? I, have, I ask that of everybody. Because we have a marketplace of a global scale, right? And, and we are quite unique in combining the offline world and the online world. What's your biggest product or market challenge? Um, we want to grow as quickly as possible. Yeah. Right. And that just means firing on, on all cylinders, being fast in hiring salespeople, but also being fast in building and partnering with third-party uh, third tech vendors. Right. What do you mean? Like you're talking about the modes and double verifies? The, the measurement, case. the modes, right? Yeah. The modes, the programmatic pipes. We need to kind of integrate them quickly right. while we're also building out Uber specific features. Got it. Um, okay, last question. Um, if your company was an animal, what animal would it be? So after thinking about this question for five seconds, lie came to my mind. I don't know okay. why, but it was the picture that immediately popped into my mind. Nothing wrong with the lion. Uh, we've got a lot of lions. All right, with that, thank you, Mark, for being here. This is a great conversation. Thank you so much, Ari, for having me. It was a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you for subscribing to Architecture. New interviews are added every week at Markitecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.